You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of News Talk 770. Welcome back to The Strong Room. In conversation with Peter Watts of News Talk 770, trust and estate planning specialist Sherry McMillan says if you don't plan for it, there can be some surprising and serious tax consequences if you buy properties in other provinces or countries. It's very common for us to have a large ratio of our clients have two properties. In fact, some three or four. However, um, they aren't all in one jurisdiction. So the reason that they have two or three properties is because they want to enjoy other communities and different weather. And I think they're the smart ones, Peter. So that being said, what happens though in law and in tax is the legislation is based on the province or state, for example, in America of where you own that asset or where you live, where the child may live in your family and so forth. So cottages are tricky because you've got to look at the laws within that jurisdiction itself to make sure the wishes you have as a family can comply with them. So for an example of this, we have in BC, a legislation that states you must treat your children equally. And that's a nice legislation in principle. But imagine if you have a cottage in BC and only your son has interest in inheriting it and you endeavor to write a will in Alberta saying so, it's not valid in BC. That cannot be done. So there are alternative opportunities, however, to fix that. So what we'll often do is we'll design a trust in Alberta, which is a holding pot for your property. And we give that property in BC to the trust in Alberta. And now we're governed by Alberta rules that allow that property to to be transferred to just your son. And maybe you offset your daughter with some cash. So it's very tricky. um, And a lot of families aren't aware of that. So it's tricky in tax. It's tricky in law. Now it's tricky one more way. And I always want people to know this. It's very tricky because we're talking about one of the most sentimental assets in your estate And not only are you talking about one of the most sentimental assets in your state, you're dealing with different children and spouses of your children. And so I always use this analogy, Peter, but everybody views clean as a different word. So if the rule is that you clean the property when you leave for the next family member, what does that mean to you? And what does it mean to the spouse of your sister or brother? And this can open up Pandora's box for dispute. So what we do around Family Cottage is we encourage families when we're designing that we build it sort of like a timeshare in principle and in documentation so that it has fundamental rules outlining what the definitions are. Clean means we hire a maid. Clean means, and I know it sounds a little juvenile, but the larger your family is and the more people associated with that asset, if you want to share it, it becomes complicated. So we always encourage families to view it like a a mini business. The cottage becomes a mini business once the parent group is no longer the owner of it, when the children and grandchildren become the shared ownerships of it. And we also usually recommend that if they want to continue owning the cottage, that we do use a trust. And there's a very specific reason, Peter, not only for the rules, but because if the children, one of them goes through a divorce, for example... Do we lose the cottage to the divorce? And that's really problematic with a divorce rate of 50%. So alternatively, the solution is if we build a trust for the cottage, then no outside member of the family is entitled to the cottage. So if your son, for example, divorced, 
It doesn't matter because he owned his share through the trust and it's not part of his dower rights. And so it protects that family asset generationally. Uh, let's talk about the, uh, the U.S. or at least the foreign-born property and what people have to understand uh, really before they buy the property about what the implications are for their estate. It's a timely topic, I would say, Peter, with the snow on the ground. So I think ultimately most families do want to winter once they start to go into early retirement and late retirement. And so they'll winter south often. Um, And specifically, because they winter close at hand, they'll go into the U.S. So most of our clients, I would suggest, own the property in the U.S. communities. And I envy them right now because I'm certain they're very warm in comparison to us. That being said, there is some consequences that they should definitely be aware of so they don't get caught out in paying U.S. estate tax. And the U.S. estate tax is very different than Canada. In Canada, we have a deemed disposition tax. It's legally called that. In the U.S., it's tax on value, the estate tax. So if you have a $5 million U.S. cottage in California and you die with that asset in your estate you owe potentially up to $2.5 million of tax. Can you imagine? So you think that the estate is protected and it's not. Depending on the jurisdiction you live in, their tax tables is the tax rate that you'll pay. And it's not on gain. So if you paid $4 million for that property and it's now worth five, you don't just pay on the million, you pay on the whole value. So that's a large problem in most people's estate. And the second trick is in Canada, you're particular cottage or home would roll to your spouse under Canadian legislation. And so you wouldn't pay tax on first passing of a partner, you would pay it on second passing. Unfortunately, U.S. doesn't work like that. So I have many husbands and wives who've bought property down south. And when they come to learn that when one of their spouses passes, that they're going to have to pay the tax because they're not U.S. citizens, so they don't get a U.S. rollover, they have to pay the tax upon passing. So thankfully, we have solutions, though, Peter, but those are the pressing issues if you haven't planned in advance. And so what we suggest to family are a number of ideas to find the right property and buy it properly. So we often will recommend a special U.S. trust for cottage. And the trust is unique because it is not an asset of anyone. It it stands alone and exists alone. And so the unique part about a trust is a trust doesn't die, but people do. So it's a way to eliminate that U.S. taxation table attached to that particular property. And frequently we use it as an estate plan. So we'll use it so the property can transfer to the mother or father, and then we'll associate it with the next beneficiary class being your children. And then fundamentally at the end, the grandchildren. Now that at first glance solves the problem, but it doesn't. There's one more trick here. So I I want families to know this. There is a rule that the IRS has about how much time you're allowed to spend in the US. And they call it the 183 day rule, which to me is a bit tricky because it sounds more like a marketing plan because it doesn't work as a straightforward 183 days. Alternatively, what happens is they take basically a ratio of the last three years. And when they do this, you can easily be over the 183 days because they're adding years together. They're not just looking at one calendar year. So a lot of families are unaware of this. Now, the caution I say is if you got caught out in that situation that the last few years you spent, let's say six months there every year, you're going to far exceed the 183-day rule. And the risk is that the IRS thinks you're a U.S. citizen for 
taxation. And if they do catch you in that particular way, then what happens is you have U.S. estate tax on your worldwide estate, not just on the U.S. property, but alternatively on everything you own here, even in Canada. I'm glad you made that point because that speaks to the importance of a trust in terms of the property you own in the U.S., putting it in there and and, and letting the rest of your estate be one step away from the IRS. That's right. And the other issue some families have is they've already purchased the property, Peter, and it's a bit late to create the trust because the IRS views it as anti-avoidance, so we're not allowed to do it after the fact. So for those families who have never bought a U.S. property, that's the solution that we'll use. For other families who've already created a, a property in their life and are attached to it and are sentimental about it, we have other solutions as well. So one of the solutions we do is a particular kind of line of credit against the property or mortgage. And the nice part about that particular legal entity is it reduces the value in the U.S. So again, going back to the $5 million property, if we were to take out a $4 million mortgage on it, bring the money back into Canada, then there's only a million dollars of equity in the U.S. that's at risk instead of the full $5 million. And this is a technique that we often use, but there has to be certain legal parameters on the crafting of that particular debt. And then what we recommend to families is bring that money back into Canada invested in something else in Canada, maybe your investments or what have you. And now your mortgage is also tax deductible. It helps you with your annual taxes. So, you know, sometimes one tool can become many in an estate. The second thing I would share is that if that's not a good solution and you don't want to carry debt load, then sometimes what we'll do is we'll buy cheap term insurance and we'll insure the tax table. So if we know on that $5 million property with all the calculations, you're going to owe $2 million, let's say, then we just buy an inexpensive term insurance on a last uh, to die basis in that family and cover off the taxation taxation that way so they can keep that property whole. So we have lots of great solutions available to us. The problem is we have to be proactive in order to take advantage of them. And very sadly, I have families hire us sometimes when somebody key in the family has already passed and it's too late to fix something that's occurred. And we're going to have a mass um population, I think, as we shift into retirement with a baby boom, looking at buying condos and properties in the U.S. or building down there. And so it's really good that they're informed in advance so we can do it right, right from day one. Minimizing tax, protecting wealth, and keeping family harmony intact will be three key topics at the next Macmillan Estate Planning Life and Legacy Seminar coming up this Thursday evening. You can register online at macmillanestate.com or call during business hours, 403-266-6464. This is The Strong Room.